It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking and this weekend about living and loving love and the word. Happy Saturday morning to you. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thank you all for joining us. We are thrilled to be here on Love Talk on 101.1 FM and 1120 AM KCXW, The Bridge, Austin, Central Texas, Christian Talk. Well, friends, this morning we are building bridges of love and leadership, and we hope you're ready. I don't know if you have a coffee in your hand, a water, maybe some of you have one of those health shakes or a jump juice, whatever you have. Just enjoy it as we get into this discussion today. God is working, friends. As we lead with love across Texas and across America, God is working, and we're so excited to share with you some of the things that he's doing in today's program. And I want to tell you, this is Kathy Enderbrock, in case you haven't figured that out with my voice yet for um, all of our faithful listeners out there. Usually, Coach Carrie introduces us, and Coach Carrie is not with us today. She is spending time away with her amazing son, Logan. So I have another special co-host in studio with me today. She has been a guest on Love Talk and has co-hosted with Coach Carrie and I before. So many of you will know her, Marlene McMichael. Thank you for stepping in to co-host Love Talk with me today. Well, thank you. I am very excited about this program. Um, Our special guest is somebody I've known for many years and, in fact, um, have shared the podium with him on on one occasion at least that I remember. Um, Early in my career, I was very involved with Concerned Women for America and was asked to speak at his dad's church. And David Barton, who is our guest today, uh, spoke just ahead of me and he spent the entire message on his knees flipping charts on a projector screen and so (laughs) I thought oh my god this man is on his knees for what 45 minutes speaking and and I'm supposed to follow that so uh, (laughs) it was it was an interesting time but that started a a tremendous admiration for who he is and what he does and he's going to be in our next segment and I can't wait for everybody to meet him. He is also the keynote speaker for the upcoming National Day of Prayer Texas State Prayer Breakfast on Monday, May 2nd. He's going to give us the inside track on all that um, prayer can do in America and, and even, I mean, David's specialty is is understanding the foundations and the history of this country and how that impacts us on a day-to-day basis. So I'm really glad that he's going to be on the program today. I cannot wait to talk with him. And it's no surprise, you've shared a podium with him, like a best-selling author and, uh, you know, on major media outlets. And, I mean, I, I believe he's even appeared before the Supreme Court at one point in time. You can fill us in on that uh, in, in a bit. It's it just amazing that all the places that God has had you and all the places of influence, Marlene, that you've been, um, I'm just looking forward to having this gentleman on. And um, I appreciate all that you've shared about him. I I'm so excited to talk about prayer, and I know on Love Talk, um, we, we, we always mention prayer because prayer is that relationship that we have with the Lord, but prayer has played such a pivotal role in this nation, and the National Day of Prayer is coming up in just a couple weeks now on Thursday, May the 5th. It's always the first Thursday in May, and that state prayer breakfast is on May the 2nd, always that Monday right before the National Day of Prayer. And so David, as the keynote, is going to share a little bit uh, with us about uh, the National Day of Prayer, as well as just some of the um, foundational elements that have been um, kind of stripped away in America, and he's going to tell us, share with us maybe some of the lies that we've accepted and some of the truth that we need to uh, stand on to rebuild some of the foundations in this nation. I'm excited to be able to talk with him about that. And Marlene, I tell you, this this scripture that I've really been stepping into uh, lately, it's been so meaningful to me. It's in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, which is in the New Testament, in chapter 2, verse 18, and it says that through Jesus Christ, we have been given full access to the Father through one spirit. And I just, it just gets me again and again, what privileged access that we have to the Father through Jesus Christ. And not only privileged access, but access that brings unity because we are praying 
through one spirit. And, um, you know, Marlene, I, I don't know about you, but I think unity is one of the things that, that the children of God really need in this nation today when we feel so divided. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing to see the things that we quibble over. And, uh, you know, um, just recently in, in Texas, in this very region, we've had some major tornadoes and, uh, and my brother's property was affected by a huge wildfire, um, in Medina County. And so those things, unfortunately, and yet, fortunately, bring us together. You know, on one hand, why does it take a disaster to bring us together? On the other hand, at least it does, you know. And um, so I know I've spent a lot of time um, seeking the Lord and asking for mercy for the people affected. And, and you know, I understand there's, yeah, I mean, there were more wildfires just than the one in Medina County um, a few weeks back. So it's... Um, it's scary sometimes what uh, just presents uh, in our lives in this world because um, we can't control everything, but the way that we can affect everything is through prayer. That's so true. We cannot control everything, but we can effect everything. I love it. It's all about how do we respond to the circumstances around us and prayer always, always allows us to respond. And, you know, prayer really only takes one thing, and that's people. <laughs> but, like, we have to have people in order to pray, people who love Jesus, who have that access through Jesus Christ to the throne of God. And for this National Day of Prayer, we are calling on people to come together and stand in the gap and pray, pray for our families, for our schools, for our communities, for the state, for this nation. You know, the list can go on and sometimes we can feel overwhelmed, but there's something that happens when the people of God come together in prayer that instead of being overwhelmed, we are just filled and powerful and led and just stepping into that place of prayer together uh, this National Day of Prayer. I'm excited to see what God will do and the stories that come out of that. Um, well, so so for David Barton being on our program today, we have used a, um, a scripture to anchor our program that uh, his organization, Wall Builders, actually uses on their site And it's from Psalm 11, verse 3, and it says this, When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I love it because sometimes you feel like when the foundations are are being destroyed, there's nothing that the righteous can do. But in this psalm, we see that the absolute opposite is true, that there are things that the righteous are called to do, that the righteous need to do, that we can rebuild those foundations, that uh, we can step forward in the power of Christ. And so David's going to be talking with that with us about that. We're going to be um, getting him on in just a few minutes. But before that, I know that you are... <laughs> You keep a schedule. Sometimes I think I keep a schedule that my head is just spinning sometimes. But the things that you have on your plate, Marlene, what have you been up to this week? (laughs) Well, as you know, I am now officially retired. And so I have this very long list of items around the house that need to get done but never get got done because of a work schedule and so it's it's really fun things like uh, cleaning the closets out and uh, emptying decades of files out of three large file cabinets in my study and then the the terror of them all the garage and (laughs) so um, and I went through major renovations because of the ice storm a year ago and a lot of that junk is still in my garage so it's it's um, a scary thought, but but that's that's my priority for the next few weeks, and um, hopefully we can actually chip it away. I have gotten some things done. I've replaced all the windows in my house, which has also required replacing window coverings and painting and some other things. So last week I was exhausted because <laughs> there was so much to do. But um, the other thing is I've really put a priority on spending time with family and, you know, my daughter and my, my brothers and, and even my cousins. And that's been really fun. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. every minute of that part. So definitely out with the old, in with the new, the message of Easter spring cleaning, mm-hmm. you're stepping into all. 
<laughs> all it's of like that. It's like spring dumping. Is what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to have to have a truck come and take it all away. Yeah. So, yeah. Where's a good garage sale when you need it? Yeah. <laughs> and a good shredding bin when you need it. I tell you, I, I have, I've just been enjoying the afterglow of the glorious Easter time. Just seeing God prepare hearts to receive his son and Easter egg hunts and um, being able to present the life that he offers and seeing just hearts be open that aren't generally open. I, I just, I just love, I love Christmas, but I just adore Easter. Um, but as we move into um, April and, or as we move into May, we're done with the month of April. Um, my youngest daughter, she has a junior thesis that she has to defend. And so God has given her this incredible ability to speak but she, you know, gets always quite nervous. And so it's just helping her prepare her presentation and give it so many times to where she's no longer nervous. She's just ready to get it done and get it over with. So kind of getting ready with her junior thesis and um, then getting to pray with some women in the state of New Mexico, um, just with my book, My Voice, His Heart. I've been having a fantastic time doing that and reaching out to women and, and lining up a couple retreats that I'll be speaking at in May and June and just um, really grateful for what God is doing that with, with that in, in the, my book, my voice, his heart. I really walk women through developing and finding their voice in prayer and stepping into that relationship with God. And as part of it, Marlene, there's, I have them write out their own couple of, of prayers. I get them comfortable with writing out their prayers, speaking their prayers. And I, at this one point, I asked the ladies, hey, if you would love to share your prayer with me, I would love to hear it. And, you know, you can email it to me. And, you know, sometimes when you, you put that out there, you never know if anyone is going to do that. Well, I have been receiving some prayers that women have been a writing that they wanted to share with me. And it has been glorious. I have wow. loved it. I've I've loved it, and so just um, thank you to those ladies who are sending me your prayers. They're beautiful, um, and I've just they've just been making my day and making my week. Well, Mar Marlene, before we go out from our first segment, can you introduce uh, David Barton and just share his background so that when we step into our next segment, we can just run with him? Absolutely, and just for those that are just joining us, I, I want to tell everybody again that uh, David Barton will be the uh, main speaker at the state prayer breakfast, which is always the Monday before the National Day of Prayer. And this year's, uh, this I think that's May 3rd, is that? May 2nd. May 2nd, yes, yes, May 2nd. And uh, David Barton is the founder of Wall Builders, which is a national pro-family organization that represents America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our moral religious and constitutional heritage and uh, David has a world of um, just the many of the founding documents he's been an, a collector of many archival um, documents and and things from our history so he's he is a history book all in his head. I mean, it's just amazing how much the man has collected and how much he knows. But Wall Builders is a name taken from the Old Testament writings of Nehemiah, who led the grassroots movement to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and restore its strength and its honor. In the same way, Wall Builders, the organization, seeks to energize the grassroots today in America to become involved in strengthening their communities, their states, and, of course, our nation. David is also the author of many uh, best-selling books with subjects being drawn largely from this massive library of tens of thousands of original writings from our founding fathers, which I hope someday to see. <laughs> it's, I just, I just, I would uh, be very excited to see that archive. He's a sought-after speaker and a frequent guest on a number of national media programs and is the host of a daily radio show, Wall Builders Live. His exhaustive research has rendered him an expert in historical and constitutional issues, and he serves as a consultant to state and federal legislators and has participated in several cases at the U.S. Supreme Court. Time Magazine even named him one of America's top 25 most influential evangelicals. David and his wife Cheryl reside in Alito, Texas. They have three grown children that are all married, and they have five grandchildren. 
Wow. Friends, you are going to want to stay with us to meet this incredible man and just hear what he has to say and the wisdom that he has to share with us this morning. We're going to get a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back with Love Talk and right after back, this. friends, to Love Talk here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I am Kathy Indebrock in studio with the amazing Marlene McMichael, and we have David Barton joining us in studio today. David, great to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, David, I tell you, just your um, your background is amazing. Founder of Wall Builders, a national pro-family organization that presents America's Forgotten History and Heroes with an emphasis on moral, religious, and constitutional heritage. You are a best-selling author and a sought-after speaker. You have been a frequent guest on a number of national media programs, and Time Magazine named you as one of America's top 25 most influential evangelicals. Uh, that, that is a, There have been a few accomplishments in your life. Well, we've been very blessed for sure, and so God's been very gracious to us. Yeah, I just I love the way that God has his children step into uh, these amazing positions within our nation and the leaders that he rises, raises up, but I'm just so grateful for you and everything that he's done. I, well, we are so blessed to have you with us on, on Love Talk today, and David, Love Talk is about building bridges of love and, and leadership. And one of the things that we know when we talk about the foundations, every firm foundation starts with Jesus Christ. Can you share with our listeners how it was that you came to know that Jesus loves you? You know, it's interesting. And in, in my my story, it's not a, a dramatic one like a lot of stories can be. It's not an Apostle Paul uh, type of story. It's it's pretty simple. My My dad... Uh, was he, he was an engineer, a design engineer, very uh, involved in the defense industry, and he was also a pastor. He was bivocational. And so I grew up in a home knowing about Christ and reading the Bible and always hearing the story. And, and so when I was about 10 years old, I made a public profession of faith, and there was no real dramatic change at, you know, at any point except that you know that you're now um, a, a child of God headed to heaven. And so for me, that was at a young age. You know, I love that. So it, at at 10 years old, you made that profession of faith, and you've just been stepping forward in that each day since. And um, and you have a real love for for history, and and God has just used that in an amazing way. And David, one of the things that we talked about in our opening segment is that there are are lies we have really believed about the founding of this nation. Can you share with us the truth? that we need to know today, not just here today, but know today to set our feet back on solid ground in America? Well, one, one thing for sure is we did not have a secular founding, which we're often told, and we're often told that those who founded us were atheists, agnostics, theists, et cetera. Not true at all. Uh, as you look at the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, uh, 29 of them graduated from Bible schools, what we would call seminaries or Bible schools, and, and graduated from schools that trained ministers. So right off the start, we have a, a very different kind of personnel than what we're often told founded America. And you have people like John Adams that unequivocally declared, he said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I now avow that I then believed, and I now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as immutable and eternal as the principles of God. And, and so you've got guys like that who just openly declare that. Uh, if you look even at w what they did, by the time you get to 1815, there had been 1,500 government-issued calls to prayer in America. And they weren't bland little things like you might do to city council, let's pray, God bless the city council. I mean, th these were days of humiliation and fasting and prayer and seeking God. And, and, and the, the language of their proclamations, John Hancock issued 22 proclamations calling people to pray in Massachusetts, and he would have them fast and pray that the kingdom of Jesus Christ might be extended throughout all the earth. That, that's one of the quotes from his proclamation. But 22 times he called the people of Massachusetts to, to times of prayer for reasons like that. It's very, very different than what we get. Um, you look even as where we are today, 
uh, as a very secular nation, we have the, the lowest percentage of church attendance that we've had in recorded history. Uh, we have only 6% of Americans today that have a biblical worldview. Only 9% of Christians even read the Bible on a daily basis anymore. So we really have moved in a different direction. We keep trying to reinterpret history through what we are now rather than what we were then. And so history really can serve as a call to come back to, to really what made us unique. Uh, we have a constitution right now, and that constitution, uh, actually, we've been under that constitution for 234 years. And of the 234 years, the average in the nation is only 17 years, or average in any other nation. So whereas every okay. other nation for 1,500 years has had a 17-year constitution, we've had 234. Oh, my gosh, we've been wow. so blessed, and we just don't recognize that. David. <laughs> One, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you again. It's been a long time. Um, but you have had a most unusual calling on your life. I mean, raised in the church, but why history? Why American um, historical her- heritage? Could you yeah. tell us a little bit about how you went from the boy in the pew to to studying and and just making your life work American heritage? Yeah, great question, Marlene. Um, For me, I went through college. um, I was a math and science guy. I had a math and science scholarship. When I got out of school, I was a school principal. I taught math and science, coached basketball, uh, and I specifically disliked history very intensely. I wanted nothing (laughs) to do with history. I stayed as far away from it as I could. Um, and, and a lot of that goes to the way that I had been taught history. Uh, in my case, now, I, I've got some white hair, so I've been around for you know a number of decades. And I can go all the way back to my sixth-grade history teacher, which means I'm going back you know a long time. And that sixth-grade history teacher specifically taught me, this is a quote from him, he said, George Washington had 26 illegitimate children, giving new meaning to the phrase, Washington slept here. Now, I thought, I've got no interest in that kind of history. Why would I be interested in that? Well, number one, that was a lie, but I didn't know that as a sixth grader. But that developed in me a dislike for for history, and I didn't really care for anything. If that's the history of America, who needs it? And what changed me was when I was uh, a principal and was doing education, I came across two really old historical documents that I had been taught about during my educational career. And when I saw those two old documents, I actually read the originals, and they were exactly the opposite of what my teachers had told me history had said. One was George Washington's original 1796 farewell address. Washington is president. The last thing he said going out, really, really powerful. And by the way, it used to be in American history that every student took a written exam on George Washington's farewell address once a year for every year they were in school. So it was that important to us. Mm-hmm. But Washington says you cannot have a nation without religion and morality as the basis. And anyone who tries to undermine religion and morality, I will not let him call themselves a patriot. And he just went off. And I thought, no, wait a minute. This is the guy that's supposed to be immoral, led an immoral life. And here he is defining America by religion and morality. And that if you do anything to weaken that, you're not a patriot. He's a patriot. Nobody questions that. So that was a real epiphany for me. And the other thing that happened was I read uh, a Supreme Court decision that was delivered in 1844. Uh, the guy who wrote the decision had been put on the court by James Madison, founding father. And in the decision, they quoted founder after founder. And it was significant because it was a unanimous Supreme Court decision where the Supreme Court said, if you're going to have a government-run school, you will teach the Bible in that school. We're not going to have a government-run school that does not teach the Bible in schools. And I said, no, wait a minute. I thought these guys were atheist agnostics and deists, and now they're quoting signers of the Constitution and Declaration that you can't have a public school that doesn't teach the Bible. And that was exactly opposite to what I've been taught. So at that point, we started looking for original documents, collecting them. We now have 160,000 original uh, items from American history all the way back to Columbus, coming all the way forward. We have the Bible that landed on the moon in Apollo 14. Uh, so we have a massive collection considered probably the largest private collection in America. But it, it definitely, absolutely, unequivocally documents the hand of God in America uh, throughout all of our four centuries. 
Wow, that that is incredible. And now I have a girlfriend who said that you can actually take your kids on a summer field trip to the Wall Builders Museum and let your children put eyes on these original documents themselves. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we we are quite different from other museums. We've got great curators and others, but we're ones that that believe that really history is not dry and, and dull, that you can interact with it. And so one of the things we do is we make sure that, that people get to handle things from history and get to connect with it. And and so whether it be some of the, the guns that were used in the American War for Independence, getting to handle those guns, and for young kids to get to handle things that George Washington had or you know, drums from that, that George Washington had during the Revolution or whatever, whatever it is, we, we like for people to, to connect with them. And so we let them handle original documents and other things. And that, of course, that's with supervision and care because this stuff is invaluable and we, we want it lasting generations and generations. But it's not dry and sterile. This is something that you interact with. And so we do have tours that go through on a regular basis. We have actually a facility in Las Colinas and then one out west of Fort Worth where we house both of those. And they're very busy with, with tours going through on a regular basis. I love that. Okay, moms and dads out there making your summer plans, add that in. I'm thinking of nieces and nephews. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, David, you're going to be speaking at the Texas uh, State Prayer Breakfast, which is which precedes the National Day of Prayer. Ours is on May 2nd, and the scripture for that day is "Exalt the Lord who has established us," based on Colossians 2 6 through 7. So how does this theme and this scripture, why is that important to us today, and how are you going to interweave that into our our breakfast? Well, it's just, it's important because if you don't know that God established you, you think that you did it yourself. And if you think that you did it yourself, then you're convinced that if something goes wrong, I can always fix it and go back and do it the way it should have been done because we're the ones who did it. So that's that's a wrong assumption, and if that assumption is wrong, then it's not as easy to turn this thing when we're screwing up, and, and we really are in many ways now. So it's important to know who established us, and this is one of the things the founders were very uh, emphatic on, was recognized and identifying, acknowledging God, and for generations thereafter it was the same way. So that, that verse is, is important to to remind us actually who's in charge. You know, we're, we're not the ones that put this together. We don't have the human wisdom to be able to do that. Uh, this is something that, that really was divinely touched by God, and, and generations have recognized that, including at the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we would not exist today had it not been for God's direct intervention in so many ways. And so part of what I'll do is I'll take original items, original documents, original stories, to show crucial times in America where that we were we were looking at being like every other nation becoming a part of history rather than a part of, of current life, and God intervened in special ways during times of prayer. And for example, we have a, a big collection of, of things from World War II, General George S. Patton, etc., and Patton's own after-action report of the Third Army. Uh, documents that God directly performed a miracle at the Battle of the Bulge. And in answer to their prayer, he had 250 soldiers praying the same prayer together. And God changed the weather for eight days and allowed them to defeat the Germans. And he is very emphatic about that. Even paintings were done of Patton praying back in the day. Um, by, 18, by 1947, those paintings were out. And we've never seen those today, by and large. And so it's really important that we know that we are who we are because of God's intervention all along the way. And so that's some of what I'll be covering is just giving highlights and examples of stories in history that we may not have heard in this generation that we certainly knew in previous generations about how God really did intervene and he did establish America. So your your purpose is largely to energize grassroots Americans to become involved in their states and their communities and and certainly in the nation can is it too late can we write the ship <clears throat> excuse me we we can write the ship i mean the bible is a guideline god certainly has a covenant with israel that he's promised but at the same time he says he's no respecter of persons and he'll treat all all the same in the sense of if, if you respond to god he'll respond to you he makes us promises mm-hmm. 
So there is time to right the ship, but it, we're going to have to be significant and, and really kind of dedicated and saying, hey, we really do need to right the ship. And sometimes it's hard for people to acknowledge that things are, are really messed up in a way that we can't fix it ourselves. We, mm-hmm. we keep looking for ourselves to fix it, and we keep coming out with new executive orders or new laws or new court decisions, and this will fix it, and it's, it's not going to be that. So, yes, yes, we can, and the Bible also makes it really clear that there is no point in time at, at which you get to a point that God can't fix it. It's not gone too far. And so that's the other thing. Sometimes you kind of get a spanking along the way. I mean, it makes it really clear <laughs> with his people. If you need to go into captivity for 70 years, but I'll, I'll bring you out and I'll establish you again. So there's there's clearly the, the Bible is just full of examples of how God can turn and will turn and has turned if, if his people will pray and humble themselves. And and that's that's a key bit of hope for America um, because we are in a situation we've never been in before. Um, we have to go back to 1856 to be this polarized as a nation, mm-hmm. but we've never been the secular, and we've never never been to the point where that we have this small biblical worldview as we have right now. Well, we really need to get truth back. We need to, you know, we talk about riding a ship. If you don't have true north, you can never get the ship on its on its corrected course. And, David, one of the things that, that strikes me is that, you know, even recently what's happened in Ukraine, we're finding more and more that all those Russian soldiers, through all the propaganda um, of Russian media, they thought they were going to um, deliver the people of Ukraine, to free the people of Ukraine. They thought they would be met there with open arms and, uh, you know, celebration. And now I know you have been frequently a guest on national media programs. And Time Magazine named you as the top 25 most influential event evangelical leaders. Can you share with us right now your view of mainstream media and how how can we as Americans go about getting a clear and truthful perspective on on newsworthy events. How can we understand what truly is happening in our nation and um, go to God's word to to see how to how to correct that and to step into the right direction? And the Bible talks about the a period of time when in Israel it said truth has fallen in the streets, and, and that really is where we are now. And it's not that truth is not available, although it's difficult to get at times. It's that right now, polling wise. Uh, we see in polling, and we do a lot of national polling work and work with a lot of national pollsters like George Barn, et cetera. And right now, two out of three Americans say that there is no absolute moral truth, that moral truth is individually determined by each person. And just quite frankly, no nation has ever survived that. If you can't get 51% of the nation to agree that certain things are right and wrong, then no law has a chance of standing. Laws are based on consent and agreement by the people that, yes, this is wrong, we agree this is wrong. And right now, six, two, two-thirds, two out of three, 66, 67 percent say there is no absolute moral truth. It's whatever you want to individually construct. Among young people, millennials, it is 80 percent that says there's no absolute moral truth. So that's the future of everything in America. But among Christians, it's one out of two Christians that say there is no absolute moral truth. You say, Wait a minute. Wow. What, what about the Ten Commandments? That, no, no, no. That, that's individually construct. So what, what we see polling-wise is we are in a situation where we have to return to a love of the truth. Uh, we're told in First Thessalonians uh, that because they rejected a love of the truth, that God sent them a delusion, and they believed a lie, they acted on it, and it resulted in destruction. So at some point, we have to come back to having the love of the truth, even if it disagrees with what we want or what we've been taught or what we would like the outcome to be. Uh, we have to do that. In, in my case, I do a lot of uh, a lot of writing. We, I think they they tell me we've done over forty books that I've written. So I was wow. working on on one not long ago. We came out with one last year called the American Story, which goes from Columbus up to the end of the Constitutional Convention. And so then we're doing one on the eighteen hundreds and one on the nineteen hundreds, recovering stories that that a lot of Americans have never heard. And so in the process of doing that. Um, I was looking, I was doing some stuff on Hollywood, and Hollywood in this golden era was super Christian, super patriotic, and I was just going through and looking at people like Cecil B. DeMille, who did the movie Ten Commandments, 89 movies. He's called the father of the biblical epic, and that was Hollywood. When he did the Ten Commandments movie, 
Hollywood put 4,000 copies of the Ten Commandments up in school classrooms to remind kids how important the Ten Commandments were. And you go, Hollywood? So I knew about that. I'm just looking online, and I looked up on Bing, Cecil B. Mill Christian, and got zero hits. So I just said, I wonder. And I looked at DuckDuckGo and did Cecil B. Mill Christian and got pages of hits. So even in, in searches right now, looking for something Christian, overtly Christian, you can be very limited in finding that because I had the historical stuff on Cecil B. DeMille. I've got his writings, his other stuff, and I couldn't even find it when I went to Bing, but I could find it when I went to DuckDuckGo. So mm-hmm. truth has fallen in the streets. We we do a lot of logarithm work. I, I don't mean me. I mean the, the the elites in tech media do a lot of logarithm work to, to make sure that certain terms come up and, and certain ones don't. So it's hard to find truth today, but we have to be dedicated to truth, and we have to be willing to put the extra work in to dig it out. And we can't just go with what I think or what my opinion is or what I believe. We need to conform to the truth. You know, and just for our listeners who are thinking, what on earth is a DuckDuckGo? Is that some weird library or something? DuckDuckGo is a search engine like Google or Safari. And I I will tell you, Eric and I, that's my husband and I, we do not use Google. We do not use Safari. We exclusively use DuckDuckGo. And, uh, friends, it's super easy to download. You can do a search on that, and it will walk you through how to to do that. Marlene, I know you had a, a question for David that you wanted to ask. Well, yes, I, be- I believe God is very strategic in how he does things, and I think he leads us to be strategic in prayer. So are are you telling us that the strategy we should adopt as Christians is to begin to pray that God put a passion for truth within his people, and with especially within the people of the United States? It, or is there yes. something more than that? You tell us. I, I would say a passion for truth, but then at the same time, I would say courage. Um, I think that the people that find truth right now are unwilling to share it. We have polling that says 77% of traditional value Americans will not talk about LGBTQ issues for fear of being attacked or deplatformed or Facebook jail or whatever. So in many ways, even those who, who have opinions on what's right and wrong, and those opinions are based on the Bible, are not sharing those opinions because the culture has become very hostile. And so I think courage is is something to pray for, uh, that we're going to have to get to the point that, that you know, that the Scripture says Jesus made himself of no reputation. And we've got to get to the point, you know, I don't, I don't care if you really like me or don't like me. You need to hear the truth, and here's what the truth is. And this is a certain behavior that is not healthy, it's not good in the Bible, it's not good medically, whatever. And we're going to have to start sharing the truth at some point. The other thing that that we have to do, I think, is we have to get off the national bandwagon in the sense that every one of us right now, if I said name three members of Congress, probably could. If I said name three members of the school board, probably can't. If I said name the president, (laughs) probably can. If I said name the mayor, probably can't. We know more about the national level than we do the local level, and we can do less about the national than we can do the local and so we're we're really fixated with the news we get being something that we really, none of us can really change. But we can change the school board and the city council, and we can change the utility district and, and the junior college board, et cetera. And so at some point, we're going to have to get focused there. And, and the final thing I would throw out is we see in polling right now that for the first time ever in polling history, the millennial and the Gen Z generations are the first ones that want to be mentored. They actually are asking to be mentored. And I think part of that comes because 68% of millennials have come through a family situation where it was not intact family. They didn't have a mother and father in the home. And so they're looking for that kind of adult supervision and leadership, somebody to speak into their lives. And so while we keep looking for ministries to do things, and church needs to do this, and the nation needs to do this, and the president should do this, Part of the solution is, hey, just find someone around you and mentor them. Just just start pouring into their lives one-on-one. And, and those are all things I think we can do and that we really need to pray about until we get the right vision on this stuff. And once we can, I think we'll see a big change coming. David, I just thank you so much for that. I mean, that's a great encouraging word to to end on. We are at the end of our segment. This time has just flown by. And um 
so if people want to find you, they can go to wallbuilders.com or come to the National Day of Prayer Breakfast. We'll give you more information on that uh, in a moment as soon as we return to our, our uh, third segment. David, thank you so much for joining us on Love Talk today. It has been such a pleasure having you. Thanks, guys. It's been great to be with you. God bless. All right. Bless God bless you. your week. Mm-hmm. All right, friends. Well, you're going to want to stay with us. We're going to have a word from our sponsors, and we're going to be back with more about David Barton, about wall builders, and about the state prayer breakfast. Stay with us. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, Central Texas Christian Talk. I'm Kathy Indebrock. In studio with me today is Marlene McMichael. We have just had an amazing interview with David Barton, founder of Wall Builders. And friends, for those of you who missed any portion of that interview, you can go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com, and uh, you'll be able to get that in the next two days. That will be posted there. And if you want to hear David, if if uh, if you were listening, you thought, "Oh my gosh, I need I need to hear more." He gave us a little bit of uh, insight into the message that he's going to be preparing for the state prayer breakfast for this National Day of Prayer coming up in just under two weeks. Now, friends, if you want to get uh, seats to the state prayer breakfast, you can go to ndpaustin.org. That's NDP, like National Day Prayer, ndpaustin.org. And if you click on shop, uh, it'll take you to either purchasing an individual seat or purchasing a table. And that includes a full breakfast. And But, I, you know, the breakfast, I think, is just to keep us all from fainting that early in the morning. Plenty of coffee, Marlene. I always <laughs> start with the coffee as soon as I get there. Um, but just an incredible time with uh, just followers of Christ, children of God that have gathered together from all over the state of Texas to pray for this nation. And Marlene, one of the things that I think is so amazing is David was talking about in that first segment about all the proclamations that have been made in this nation for prayer. He said that even by 1815, which would have been 25, which would have been less than 40 years into the founding of this nation, that over 1,500 official government proclamations for prayer had been made. And and that's not just like, hey, pray today if you think about it. It is intent prayer, prayer and fasting, uh, what they would call um, prayer and days of humiliation, which, you know, friends, we don't like that day, that, that word anymore. We don't, we don't like the word humiliation but humbling ourselves before God, uh, coming together in our communities, in our state, in our nation, and really understanding that it is God who has established us and, and God who can repair the foundations and give us truth to stand on and that we ourselves cannot fix what is broken, uh, you know, it, it, it all starts there. And so I would just encourage you, this National Day of Prayer, you know, if, if you think I I can't get up at six o'clock in the morning to go to a state prayer breakfast. That's okay. Find the event in your area and go and join together within your community uh, for a a time of prayer on this national day of prayer. And it is an official proclamation. Not only is it signed into law in our nation um, by a joint resolution of Congress, Marlene, but the individual governor's of all of the states within the union make a proclamation calling for the people of that state to pray. And Governor Abbott as well um, is making a proclamation calling for Texans to pray. It's, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible day not to be taken lightly. I agree. And um, I recently went to one that was a leadership prayer breakfast in the city of Georgetown here in Texas. And it was pretty amazing. The speaker was outstanding. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing to me was to have multiple mayors there and police force and the sheriff's office and, and all of the leadership within the county standing firm for God, you know, and hearing a message that said, you know, God really is real and he and Jesus is real and he does change lives. And then we had a speaker that was a a dramatic uh, testimony of how God changed him 
inside and out. And it was just mm-hmm. it was just amazing. And I just I want to concur with uh, Kathy. Everything David said was remarkable. Um, uh, David, um, as you know, started the uh, Wall Builders, which is a nonprofit and evangelical type of organization. But the whole focus is to teach us and take us back to what our American heritage really is and what it truly is. And he's not just making this stuff up, people. He he has over <laughs> 160,000 original artifacts in his private collection, which is available to the public to see and handle. It's just truly amazing. I, I know that's going to be on my bucket list. I want to go and I want to see. He's written you know, over, I, over 40 books. I'm just really excited I wrote one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but yes, it's just amazing what the what David has brought back to uh, our 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 hearts. Yeah. Well, and you know, Marlene, what got me is when he, you know, you asked him this great question, what got you into history? And he said, you know, I, I actually didn't like history. I was a math and science guy. And he said, but <clears throat> I remember being taught in school this one version of. Uh, of, of a historical document and a story about George Washington. And he says at the time he didn't realize it was a lie until he saw the original document. And when he saw the original document and realized that in his education he had been completely lied to about the substance and character and purpose of that document, uh, it just kind of lit a flame in him. And now he has, you know, as you say, this collection, the largest collection um, in the United, well, the largest collection anywhere of original U.S. documentation, um, letters that have been written, government, um, even the archives in Washington, D.C. are immense, but they don't contain uh, everything that, that David Barton's library does. Yeah, I just, I love the the heart of God that puts a passion in our heart that is his passion and you know the the various paths that he leads us on and the the ways that he calls his people to do something uh really specific to help the body you know the Mm -hmm. to help the whole and and you know that's that was what was intriguing to me is that how do you how do you get where you are. How do you get from the boy in the pew to the man who uh, probably knows more American history than anybody else on the planet? Um, yeah. You know, how do you do that <laughs> and, and why? You know, and, and one of the top 25 most influential event, evangelical leaders. That's huge. Now, Marlene, I love that during our break, you said, you know, David really laid down a cohesive strategy. And I thought, really? Because I, I didn't hear that. But then you started pulling out the points that he made and the areas that he said we need to focus on. And I thought, you're exactly right. He laid out a cohesive strategy for us moving forward. He did. And, you know, early in my career, um, I read a lot of Old Testament. And and the story of Israel going in and taking the promised land was very meaningful to me. And I'll, I'll just briefly say, God told him, go take the land. He didn't tell him, now do this, do this, do this. But he told him to take the land. But each day he gave them one thing they were to do. You know, go and walk around Jericho, you know, and do some weird stuff. And, and the, falls, <laughs> the walls will fall and you will capture Jericho. Well, if they obeyed him... Even sometimes, though it didn't make a lot of sense, they won. If they disobeyed him in the slightest way, they lost. And God had to bring them back into the fold and, and teach them again that, the, that it's all about obedience. So I know God is very strategic. And so I asked David, what is the strategy? And he laid out a four-point strategy. And it certainly will be part of my life going forward. But the first is to pray that the American people, the Christians in particular, but all of us, have a passion for the truth. And, and we all know that we are not hearing the truth in today's meeting media market, uh, so that we must not believe the lie, but we must have a passion to not only find it, but to seek it out and believe and and honor the truth. Uh, But the second thing is uh, that we would have the courage to speak it when we find that truth. Mm -hmm. So often we we know it's, you know, what the, the, the politically correct thing to say is not truth, but we're afraid to counter it so that we would both have the boldness and the courage to speak the truth. And then 
you know, he said that that we're mostly focused on the national level, but we have the least impact on the national level. So to really t- return and focus on the local level, the local mayors, the, the school boards, the uh, water districts, and um, and really try and make an impact there because you can affect that change. And then uh, fourth, to f- that the younger generation is because they came from you know either one parent homes or our parents that worked and really weren't involved in their lives um that young people today are really seeking mentorship and so mm-hmm. to find those young people that we can touch in our communities and begin a mentorship uh, a, a deliberate mentorship uh program for them so that I mean it doesn't have to be formalized and and uh, and designated a nonprofit, but it's something deliberately that you do in your life to make a difference in their life and, and give them, teach them the values that you hold dear. I mean, we can go and find that young person, possibly that we work with, that we um, just see in our day-to-day lives. Maybe a young person is a neighbor across the street. I mean, obviously, starting with your own children, teaching them that there is absolute truth. I think David said that only 50% of believing evangelicals actually truly believe in absolute truth. Friends, we have got to, to get back to the truth that Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and and that God is the truth, and that there is no other truth outside of him. Well, friends, I cannot believe that Love Talk is coming to an end this beautiful Saturday. We hope you have gotten as much out of the program as we have. It has been a joy to be with you. Friends, I just want to tell you, if you haven't yet, it's Saturday. Find a church to go to, a Bible-believing church that opens God's Word and encourages you to get in the truth, to seek the truth, to seek wisdom that is found only in God's Word. And we love you, friends. It has been a great time having you with us. We look forward to being with you next Saturday on Love Talk. You can call us on the Love Line at 512-644-7972. We'll send you a Bible if you don't have one. Visit our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Come visit us on Facebook at Love Talk Radio and let us know what you would like to hear a program on, what topic or what question you have. Well, I'm Kathy Endebrock, Marlene McMichael. It's been great being with you. We enjoyed having David Barton in studio with us today. Friends, we look forward to being with you next Saturday right here on Love Talk.